welcome to the Galactic Podcast. I am Lauren Romo. With me, as always, is my cousin and fellow nerd, Andrea Gutierrez. Happy Bendu Day. <laughs> bright suns, bright suns. What's going on, cuz? Nothing really, you know. Just coming off of a, a week of travel for work and uh, some amazing Star Wars. Some happy, some sad. Yeah, Bad Batch, we will have a whole Aussie episode dedicated to that. That was quite sad indeed. Crushing. Yes. yes. I just but, can't, I, I know we're going to talk about it on a different right. episode, but right. I can't get over how we literally thought they were going to like ride off into the sunset and it was going to be nope. a happy ending. And then, no. Absolutely not. That's not how it went down. So we'll talk about that in another episode for sure. But today is Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 5, called The Pirate, and it was directed by Mr. Peter Ramsey, who was the director of uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, he did uh, the movie, uh, let me double check, is Rise of the Guardians animation. I love that movie. Solid movie, really solid movie. Mm-hmm. And he's been a part of a lot of different uh, movies as far as like um, storyboard artists and things of that nature as well. So he has a really deep, uh, deep, deep film uh, filmography, if you want to call it. But yeah, Peter Ramsey's director. He did an amazing job, which we'll obviously talk about. But before we get into all the major, major fun stuff that we talked uh, and that we will talk about and discuss in this episode... And if this is your first time listening to us, welcome. We are Star Wars Podcast that discuss anything and everything within that galaxy far, far away. In each episode, we will dive into one or two topics and have a general discussion on them. Topics could be movies, TV series, books, comics, a specific character, you name it, and we talk about it. I mean, I don't even know where to begin because there's just so much. <laughs> there's so much happened in this episode. I don't either. It, it's crazy. I mean, obviously, we have a general outline of what we're going to talk about, but... I mean, let's just jump into overall thoughts. And I mean, obviously you were away this week, so break down how your viewing went, what you felt. Uh, I mean, highs, lows, if you have any with this episode, any questions, concerns, let me hear your overall thoughts, pal. So I was out of town traveling for work and I didn't watch it at work. Um <laughs> Just to clarify, <laughs> just to clarify, uh, someone from work did listen to one of our episodes and text me. Uh, you were watching it at work, so <laughs> that's going to start to be top Busted. secret. Busted. Uh, I woke up <clears throat> and you had texted me saying, stay off Twitter uh, if did. you haven't I watched did. it yet. Uh, so I immediately watched it and it was so fun. I mean, it was fun. I found myself like giggling, smiling, just having fun uh, through the whole thing. And I really enjoyed it. And then the ending hit and I was like, where are we going with this? What is going on? So it left me with questions, which we we always love at the end of a episode, like what's going to happen next? So it was great. I loved it. Yeah. I mean, it did leave you as a viewer with... More questions and answers, which is good. That's supposed to happen. <laughs> I mean, we don't we don't want to know. I mean, obviously, if we knew what was going to happen, 
then what, what's the point of it? You know? So this, it's fun that they, I mean, like we were just talking about with bad batch. We thought we knew where that was going. Boy, were we wrong. Oh, we were way off kids. Whoa. And that's okay. That's, that's part of good storytelling. Good writing is that they can leave you with these curveballs, you know? So my overall thoughts before we really, before we dive deep into it, Wait, I have a question. Yeah, go How ahead. do you watch it, Lauren? Do you get up super early? Because you work at like, what, seven, eight? So I work at eight. Yeah. No, I get up and I watch it before I go to work, before I log in. Do you like get on the couch? Do you stay and watch it? And like, how do, what do you do? Do you make a bowl of cereal? Do you? <laughs> so what I, <laughs> what I usually do is if I'm like, okay, I can actually get out of bed, I'll get out of bed, watch it on the couch. If not, I'll watch it in my room with the earbuds on because I want the full, full experience. Good way so to it's watch either it. One away. Yes. Yes. Headphones always kids. If you can yeah. highly recommend, cause you get that really nice, the sound designs really come through when you have the headphones. So that's my usual viewing. And then, you know, either eating breakfast or, you know, I'll make breakfast after it. That's kind of my, my Wednesday routine for sure. But now, cause usually I have to watch Bad Batch and Mando. So usually it's Mando first, just because, I mean, again, you and I have both said Bad Batch is amazing, but I just know Mando will be unfortunately more talked about and more spoilers. Yeah. Will be on Twitter. Yeah. Let, you got to get that one out of the way. I have to. Yeah, I have to. And then I can watch Bad Batch. If I have enough time, watch it after. If not, I'll watch it like during lunch. But yeah, so, I mean, overall, though, this episode was really good. It brings a lot of things together. I think we're getting a little bit more of an idea of, okay, where we're going the rest of the season. Possibly again, we could be throwing curveballs just like we were in Bad Batch. And I'd be excited for it. hundred percent. But this, this, this episode in particular felt very theatrical cinematic. Not that the others haven't, but this one, for some reason, like the action sequences were really good. The, the visual effects were really, really like clean for me. You know, it was one of those, I didn't, I didn't notice, or I wasn't like conscious of the volume as sometimes I am like in, in certain shots, it felt just, it felt clean. It felt really, really good. Really, really good. Um, again, the music. Oh my God. I mean, so good. Psychedelic rock stuff. When we, dude, yeah. when they go to that Aldelphi station, that was some, that was some awesome stuff. Yeah, no, it was, it was really, really good. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, overall it was just really good. Again, it's, connecting with you know Elijah Kane's storyline with Pershing like again they're they're bringing it all together and again that ending which we'll talk about left you like oh okay that's interesting I didn't see that coming and what could it mean because I'm gonna throw out when we get to that part there I think there's three in my opinion three options again what I think could be behind that Beskar that they saw. I think there's three options. We'll talk about it. Stick a pin in it, kids. We'll circle back. Pin that. Pin that. But I, I don't want to bury the lead because obviously you and I are both Rebels fans. Dude, listen. I watched Rebels all last night. And not because 
of Zeb. But because I was just, I, I had watched, what did I watch? Watched Mando again. Me and my mom watched Turning Red. That movie is so freaking good. Oh, that's a good movie. I like it. And then I was like, oh, what am I going to watch while, you know, blah, blah, blah. So um, my Rebels was at Twilight of Apprentice. So I was like, Ooh, might as well watch that. Yeah, yeah. So I watched those. <laughs> I watched those. And my mom was like, I don't remember. So what happens to um, to Ezra? And I was like, oh, you want to see? So then we watched uh the and then she was like where does soka go she's like i don't even get it so then we watch world between worlds and then we watched the the series finale and i was like god like you tweeted if you haven't watched rebels it is time it is literally time to watch rebels because one it is just amazing two the tie-ins that we're getting is huge so satisfactory as a rebels fan it is great i'm loving it yeah, I, the connections to Rebels, it's not even like in your face, but it's the if you know, you know type of thing. So good. You know, so again, not bearing the lead, Garazeb, Aurelius, Zeb, freaking live action. I don't know. Who would have known? And it was so casual. I was listening to Force Center and Ken and Joseph were talking about this. And it was like Joseph's, you know, uh, Joseph said like this was like casual Zeb. Like he just casually in the background, casually talking to Carson Tiva. Like it was so like I had to. And I, this is my question to you to, to first, Ange. And we will deep dive into this whole thing because I think there's a lot behind it, like what it could mean in the future. But like I had to like kind of like I'm like, no, is it like, wait. And it was the voice, Steve Bloom's voice gave it away for me i'm like that is zeb that has to be zeb there's no other way that is just a different lasat that has to be zeb and i about like i don't gasp out loud a lot that i was like oh my god gasp like hand over my like mouth like i was like holy crap it's happening this is live action zeb and he looked good he looked so he looked so good good so go ahead, yeah. Talk, I mean, tell me, talk me through the whole process. Honestly, I'm happy I was like zoned in on watching it because if I wasn't, I think I would have missed that part. Like if I was like casually getting ready, like or doing something else while I was just trying to get my first watch in, I think I would have missed it because a couple of my other watches, I actually missed that part again because I wanted to like really take a look at like the detail of what he looked like. And there were a couple of times I was like, wait, I got to rewind it. I missed it. Because it was so brief, but yet so impactful and so casual, yes, yet so perfectly placed. It was so good. And I was like, Alasat, wait. And then the voice. And I was like, oh my God. The voice was that, yeah, the voice was the key to me. The voice was the one that gave it away. And I was like, holy crap. I'm like, this is, this is amazing. Because I think we've talked about it before. We're like, we'll see a Sabine. We'll see an Ezra. We'll see a Hera. We're like, how the hell are they going to do a Lasat? How are they going to do Zeb? That sounds just like, we kind of always said that's kind of a good reason why he was in animation because the complexity of his look. And then to do it in live action and to score like that on the looks, amazing. Yeah, no, they... 
I don't know if that was where a lot of the budget went, but you could tell. But it was good. Like you're saying, it wasn't like, yeah, it was CGI, but it was just very well done. And I read somewhere, and I can't remember where or what the source was, so apologies. And again, I don't even know if this is true facts, but I read somewhere where Steve Plume did mocap for it. Nice. I can't wait to so see that the would gallery. Make, that would make sense. You know, I think that would make sense to make it feel that way. If you have that mocap and then you can make it around his expressions and everything, because it did look really good. It, it like when he, there was a shot where like when Carson's saying something and he, he and then he's like kind of making like expressions, like you can tell that it is not just like, that's not just computerized. Like they did have to use some type of like reference, you know? So, but yeah, he looked really, really good. He looked great in that blue fighter suit like it was perfect and he is the second and this and i didn't even think about this but i again i read this somewhere and it makes perfect sense like it i was like oh yeah they're they're right he is the only second rebel character to be in live action the first was chopper in rogue one we haven't seen hera yet we know she's coming we haven't seen sabine we haven't seen ezra we haven't seen force ghost canaan yet which i am Hoping that happens. So we haven't seen anybody else besides Chopper and Zeb. So it's crazy to think that those two, those two are the ones that have so far yeah, jumped into live action. And we're going to get, like, again, we know in Ahsoka, if you haven't read or if you don't know, again, I guess spoilers, but, like, Ahsoka is going to have Hera. It's going to have Sabine. That's pretty much confirmed. Sabine's confirmed for sure. Because they brought the actress who's playing Sabine in Celebration uh, in Anaheim. So we that's confirmed. We know that. The Hera thing is something from the trailer, which, again, is not quote-unquote confirmed, but it's it's happening, kids. We are getting rebels in live action, and I can't wait. So to stick what with I, that, and What I yeah, think is awesome yeah, yeah. is because, you know, you went to Celebration, you saw that sneak peek, that teaser trailer, whatever it was, of the rebel characters yeah. in live action, yeah. but yeah. not Zeb. Like, that's what I think is cool, is like, you, th- he wasn't put into that little package that you guys got, and then to throw him out in Mando, so freaking cool. And again, it was so casual. Like, it was just... Again, if it, it it's one of those if you know you know if you knew that character, and if you didn't, it was he was so cool looking like he was a cool looking you know uh, creature and all that stuff. But yeah, to know that that was Zeb, and they only because I remember with the closed caption it didn't have his name, so you literally had to go and wait till the credits to see that yes they it was Zeb, Steve Blue. It was perfect. So, Ange, real again, talk to me about how, where do you think, what do you think this means moving forward for Rebels? Because I, I mean, obviously now I'm like, okay, where's Callus? Where's, you know, where's Hondo. all these other characters? Where's Hondo? Where's Malshi? Yeah. Where are and all Malshi. these characters? So what? what's your, how, what is, again, being a Rebels fan, where do you go with, okay, they did Zeb live action. What, what's on, what's on the plate now? What do you, what do you got? Yeah, I and then 
And then the fact that Zeb is like out there working for the new Republic as well, too, like putting in a nine to five, like being one of those being one of those pilots, one of the Rangers. I think that's awesome. So, yeah, like where is Callus? We all know that Zeb and Callus are husbands. We all know we've all watched the the ending scene where he puts his arm on on Callus's shoulder and their husbands. We know. So where is he? Okay, we're just waiting for Hot Cows to arrive <laughs> at this point. <laughs> but where? Yeah, right. I mean, where else then, do you go with it? Yeah, yeah. And like, where? Like, where is Hondo? Right? Where? I, you know, the the title card comes up. It says the pirate. I get it, Gory and Shard and Vane and all of them. But I, fingers crossed. I was hoping we'd get to see a Hondo, but we didn't. Um, I don't know if we ever will. Maybe that's just something we're really, really holding on to this never gonna happen um but god i wish i wish that we do it i mean there's so many people at the end of rebels that were impactful so you know i you just you gotta wait like mart where the hell is mart right i mean there's just a lot of (laughs) there's a lot of things that could happen especially with ahsoka coming up Ryder, right I mean, there's just so many possibilities. Vizago. Oh, that would be a good one, too. I would love to see that. But there's just, it's so interesting that, again, if you haven't seen Rebels, it's not, you're you're kind of, it's okay. You're not really, you're not missing, I don't want to say you're not missing anything, but, like, you're missing bigger connections. Let's just say that, right? You're missing bigger connections, and honestly, you're missing amazing storytelling. The stories that come out of Rebels are top tier, top tier, influential across the entire galaxy, influential to the Skywalker saga and Star Wars as a whole. The lore of it, right, right. Huge, huge. People don't understand, like, how huge that show is. Right. And if you haven't seen it, you just don't know the impact, you know, and, and like and like in these moments. Right. When we see Zeb and then when we're going to see Sabine, when we're going to see Ezra, like I right. I just cannot wait. And I'm so glad that they are connecting it to rebels. Right. Like they could have used anybody. They could have used they could have used, you know, whatever red five or who like they could have used anybody they had Filoni and chow and uh right they had all three of them them sitting there they could have used any one of them no but they went with zeb and how cool is that is that obviously one of the you know big rebels part of rebels is dave Filoni. again we don't want a Filoni team you know the house of creators and everything behind Filoni. but that's cool that one of you know one of the characters that he created, he was in a scene with. <laughs> like, that's just kind of mind-blowing. It's got to be kind of cool for Filoni, too, to see, like, these characters that he has, you know, created, used in so many great ways, to see them come live action. I mean, obviously, Ahsoka was his baby. We see her, you know, that that has come to fruition. And now we're seeing all these other characters, like Zeb. And again, the impact of like, what what has he been doing? What has Zeb been doing? He, how why is he with Adelphi? Like, where? Give me all that story now. Now I want to know like the background of it. 
You know, why is he with the Delphi? How did he get with them? Is Callus with them? Is, you know, is uh, Hera hanging out with them? Because, again, she's one of the best pilots. You can come at me, but she's one of the best pilots in the galaxy. I mean, Hera is definitely a, a general and controlling a fleet and working towards eliminating the threat of the Empire. I mean, you kind of you pick that up in Alphabet Squadron. Hera it has a huge role in Alphabet Squadron trilogy, and you really get to know what she's doing during that time. So, I mean, again, to get those little stories, but now to bring in the live action, right? Because, I mean, will we see Zeb and Ahsoka? Maybe, maybe not. I, I don't see why we wouldn't. But maybe we don't. Maybe this is where we see him and maybe we see him later. You know? Where's Chopper? I mean. Yeah. Where is Chopper? He's not with Hera. I don't think so. You don't think so? No. I think. I don't think so. I feel like, again, just for me, I feel like that that's like her droid. So where where else would he be? But I agree. You never know. You're right. You never know. He could be with anybody, really. That's true. That's very, very true. But we're going to get in, again, we're going to see him in Ahsoka for sure. Again, he was in that little teaser. When you see the back of Hera, the back of Ahsoka, the back of Sabine, you see Chopper. I mean, we're going to get live action probably Jason Sindula. Jason Sindula. I mean, it's, it's, again, if you haven't watched Rebels, kids, I could go on for another hour. You need to watch it. I could too. I, obviously, there we have episodes, kids, in the catalog about Rebels. Go listen, because we love that show so, so much. But it's important, just like you were saying, Ange. These characters make impacts that will have, that have big, you know, big consequences not just in their story, but in the galaxy, right? And then I feel like, too, speaking of rebels, like Lothal. Lothal was like this nexus kind of planet, right? They always went back to it because of Ezra and everything like that. I feel like for Mando, Navarro is almost that planet now. Like they always go back to it, right? Because there's something happening, on that planet. I don't know if you feel that same way, but I feel like there's like a small connection there. Yeah. I kind of like the development of Navarro in this episode and what it now possibly means to the Mandalorians. And I mean, I just, I love grief Karga. I love Carl Weathers performance of him. That speech he does at the end for the Mandalorians was very heartwarming and just amazing. You know, just so like, oh, the way he like when he forgot to say hi, magistrate, and then the droid remind him. It's so cute. Like, I just loved it. It was such a it was so good. I was like, that was like one of the moments where I was like, oh, my God, this episode is so good. Ah, Definitely. Yeah, that was that moment. This Zeb moment was the big one for me because like the rest of the episode was going on. But in my back of the, my mind, I was like. Zeb we just got Zeb like I could not stop thinking about like what was happening like I literally had to like almost refocus because I was just like oh my god Zeb we have him Zeb in live action what does this mean are we gonna get anybody else from Rebels in here like right I was like who else is coming where's Cal I mean I, I was immediately like we gotta see Callus in a second like right when when are we seeing him because again he's a big part of Rebels obviously 
And again, spoilers for anybody who hasn't watched Rebels, but why why you haven't, that's on you. But like for Callus to go from, you know, Imperial to Rebel is such a big story. And again, like you said, for especially the connection between Zeb and Callus is huge. Huge. So yeah, it makes sense that maybe he will be he will show up for sure. Reason obviously we want to obviously Zeb is a big thing for us for Rebels. I didn't want to bury the lead, so that's a that's a major thing that happens in this episode. But of course, we follow Carson Teva because, like you mentioned, Andrea Navarro gets attacked by the pirates. Reef Cargo reaches out to Carson, and that's obviously that kind of cool Delphi little bar and everything like that was very very cool. For sure. I will I will say that that opening with uh Gorian Shard and Grief Cargo was great as well too. I liked the dialogue between them. I also liked where they knew they were attacking and the droid was like, should we get ready to like buy them off? And and Car- Grief was like, No, we don't want to set that precedent and think that they can continue to keep coming back. And because you you kind of wonder like where grief cargo stands like is he like turned like is he a good guy now and then that just that one statement shows that like yes he is he's not going to try to take the easy way out and just provide them with money he he wants to have a a stable civilization that um makes an honest living and and isn't controlled by anyone besides themselves is is independent so Real, real quick, I just wanted to touch on that because I thought it was very impactful of to see like that's where Grief Cargo stands now. And then the drop of the Pirate Nation, the Pirate Nation. Yeah, that's big. What is? I that? don't think I don't think we've we've haven't heard of that as far as I know. Again, that makes me think of Hondo <laughs> for sure. Again, yeah, right. Where's Hondo? Hondo Watch is is in full effect. But no, I and I, I totally agree. It shows that big development as a character for grief right like season one he was just the the guy that was you know in charge of giving the bounty hunters their 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 targets or whatnot right then that changes and now he's trying to rebuild navarro to be like a a sustaining society on its own to be independent and then he he pretty much accomplishes that but now in that very first scene like you said they got to almost restart, start from scratch. They got to rebuild a little bit, you know, I mean, obviously it's, but they can do that because they've done it before. And I feel like as a character, just like you said, Ange, grief has changed to where I think he is a good guy. I do. I feel like he's definitely on the, on the, on the right side. Right. And even again, to bring it back to Zeb and Carson, that's what even Zeb says to Carson. Like, you know, Oh, I, I was, you know, I was really hoping Navarro as Zeb said, I think Zeb said to Carson, I was really hoping Navarro would make it, right? So, like, they know that there are these independent planets, right? Because it is the New Republic. It's not Imperial anymore. If you want to be independent, you can be independent. So, for them to even know that Navarro was, like, again, it's on the radar, and they're, like, in the outer rim, that's that's really big for me, you know? I'm just waiting, too, for Lethal, like, drop of that name of a planet. Like I'm just waiting for it somewhere, maybe in Ahsoka, maybe later on Amando, who knows, but we get to Carson, uh, Carson, who, again, we know from previous seasons that he, 
has a sneaky suspicion that something's going on in Navarro. That there's bigger connections between Gideon was there, now the pirates are there. So instead of sending, you know, sending the information to Coruscant, he goes to Coruscant. And he speaks to uh, Tim Meadows' character. I think it was. Fun. I think it was Lieutenant Tuttle. Is it Lieutenant Tuttle? I can't remember. That's his yeah. character's name. Mm-hmm. So you go. He goes sees that. You know, we, he goes to see him because he's in charge of requisitions. I believe is his title. So bureaucratic. Yeah, I love it. I love it. But we see Elia Kane. That's where Elia Kane is in that department, and it makes so much sense, right? So again, so Carson is obviously asking, pleading that the Adelphi, uh, which we find out again, we find out Adelphi is Outer Rim, as um, Tim Meadows' character says. And they basically say, listen, uh, you know, unfortunately, as Elia, as she brought up, they butts are not in. Right, butts in. Because she knows what's, obviously she's mm. she's behind a lot of this. But she says they haven't signed to be a quote unquote member planet, and there's already a backlog of member planets that need assistance. And I love Carson's like, well, this is kind of BS, dude. What are we what are we doing then? You know, like what what is what is this new republic all about? And we talked about that a, a couple episodes ago of how just fractured, or I don't even want to say fractured, but just how disorganized i guess i don't know if that's the word Angela. i don't know if- it is a little bit yeah you know so like how how disorganizing they really are but you have to respect that they're trying to do things in a certain way like i mean even tim meadows characters like yeah no we we don't want to leave them defenseless but like we have to for these planets that are you know part of our you know that signed this little thing that says they're members of the new republic we have to help them first. And again, Elia Kane, Katie O'Brien does such a good job being a villain. And just how she says, you know, I was, you know, I'm, I was liberated as Carson's super eyeing her and is like, you're sus a hundred percent. And I love it. Super sus. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So talk to me and your thoughts about that scene. Anything you want to, um, you know, kind of caught your eye within that, that part, uh, that portion of the show. Uh, I think the most most impactful statement during that part is when Tim Meadows' character says, this is, isn't the rebellion anymore and we have structure. And, and, you know, like I said, it's very bureaucratic. It's very red tape. It's very like, let's go through the steps. Um, and a lot of people that came from the rebellion aren't used to that or uh, don't like that type of structure. Right. Um, but you see it a lot. Like you even see it in like Rogue One when like Jin wants to go after the the Death Star plans, and they're at that meeting, and everyone's saying like, "Oh, well, you you can't." So it always is good that within the good guy side, I guess, rebellion, re- alliance, whatever you want to call them, New Republic, that there are these passionate people in this group that want to get things done. And I almost said the greater good. Uh, <laughs> Saw Guerrero, I hate you. Oh, that's a hot topic for next. <laughs> when we talk about that, Saw. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so 
And then Elijah King just buttoned in, man. My mom was like, get the cookie girl out of here. Like, what is she doing? Causing trouble. <laughs> cookie girl. So it's it was a good it was a good way to just show like this is the state of the new republic. They're trying. It's not really doing what it needs to do. I mean, just to look at um Tuttle's desk, it's just like full of all those data cards, that awesome droid that was just like, you're going to take these. <laughs> I just love that part. I love feisty droids. Which was the same droid that Pershing got. Yeah, I know. I love it. So good. And you just you have to take those moments as this is the new republic now. They're they're drowning in in a huge task. And that's that's frustrating and it's saddening. And you wish they could just figure it out, but they haven't, obviously. And there's um there's there's just pockets of of Imperials trying to just take them over and what and just like you you know another big thing for me in the scene besides what you said because again what tim meadows says is you know this is not the rebelling this is you know this is the new republic i mean again you're saying red tape and i so agree but then even carson's rebuttal of like basically we got to do something like this is this is bs like that's how people were feeling like you're saying like this is how frustrating it was working with the new republic i mean bloodline really delved into that too you know and, and again carson's like snap to alaya of like that's a very you know letting basically her suggestion is maybe we have to let them understand yeah. why teach them a lesson yeah and he's yeah. like that's such an imperial way of thinking and i i love that from carson too but yeah, I mean, it's such a big, big, big scene as far as showing what the state of the New Republic was. The state of, again, how people even within the New Republic are feeling, like Carson. And then he doesn't even want to give up because he believes he's right. And he is. You know, so the only thing he can think of is obviously letting Mando and his crew know that Navarro's under attack. He knows that's that you know grief is his his buddy. So he does find them, which I love the reveal of that it's R five. <laughs> oh my god! That Snitches so get stitches. He's gonna get it. I love R five. R five. When he, he first so said funny. it, like, oh, there's a there's a someone I served with within your midst. I was like, oh my god, who is it? R five. And then R five starts waddling <laughs> out. I love it. It's so good. It's so good. But again, I love how he pleads to Mando, like, listen, I something's not right. I can't, I'm my hands are tied. So your friend's in trouble. This is this is why I'm here. Do with it what you want, you know? I also like that he says the new republic has to know that the empire is growing again. Like that is the point. Like that's the point. The New Republic thinks they're so blind. They have blinders on and they're like, we're doing good. We're doing good. We're doing good. No, the Empire is growing again. And again, as Carson said when he was in that office, he's like, it, it's going to be too late. By the time you figure it out, by the time it is revealed that, you know, the, the second, you know, 
Empire remnants have come, it's going to be too late. Too and late. we know that. We know it's too late because of Hosni and Prime, RIP, in An a entire Michael. planet. Yes. Goodbye. Yeah. So he was right. Again, justice for Carson. He is right. Hashtag Carson was right. But he gives Mando, he gives Mando, you know, the the message, the hollow message that grief gave him. So the next big thing with Carson, we're, we're going to stick with him. Obviously, at the very end of the episode, he is, again, continuing his his investigation. Like a good, a good, a good person does. A good blue boy. A Why do they call them blue boy? boys? Why do they call them blues? Because they're there in was, blues? Uh, what was that? That was something said in season... Was it season one or season two that they showed up? I think it was season two, right? Yeah, I think so. And for, and I feel like that's what Mando said before. Is it because blue cop like they they're just that's like, what I was thinking like they're cops? blue like they're cops like what is that? I, I think that's what it, I'm assuming it. But they're in from. orange, so I was like, where the hell does this blue thing come from? I think it's just like the you know slaying Star Wars slaying for it. them. Do your, do your investigation, Andrew. I will. So Carson goes to a site where they see a um, a destroyed Lambda-class shuttle, which I find very interesting that this is what the New Republic was using. Right. Repurposing, which was again, right. fabulous, good little Easter eggs. Because, again, they, I mean, in, in that, in episode, was it two or three with Pershing? They were trying to um, basically, what was it, disassemble or whatever, both Imperial and the Alliance fleet. Clearly, they were like, well, we'll use these ships for some odd reason. But we find out that the ship that he is, you know, that he sees is one that was bringing Moff Gideon. Because he says, even in that office, too, with Tim Meadows and um, Katie O'Brien's characters, He's like, you know, I heard that he didn't, uh, Moth never made it to trial. And he's right, because that ship was the one that was carrying Gideon. And it was completely destroyed. Well, not completely destroyed, but it was had been clearly, like, attacked. No um, Gideon body found. It was very, and then the big moment of, he finds Beskar, a piece of Beskar stuck in like the, the wall, one of the walls of the ships. What does that mean? So now the big question is, Ange, here's my here's my thing. Where do you go with that information? I have three options, but I want to hear your thoughts first. A on that scene, the revelation that Gideon clearly is free. Give me your thoughts on all that. Yeah. The confirmation that Gideon is out and about doing whatever he wants. I liked R seven's little probe droid, his little thing that came up and went out. My I thought, thought that about that too was like R two could do that the entire time. I know. Like, <laughs> this is Maybe, the first time we're know. seeing this. What is right. going on? Right, right. Well, that's like in Revenge of the Sith. We see like, oh, he could fly the entire. He time could too. fly. I love it. <laughs> but go ahead. What else you got? That scene. Uh, yeah, it was an extraction. The body's missing. I, I have notes here that says, like, who are the perps? Who did this? And then the best guard. I don't know what that means. I don't. 
and then uh reed captain reed the guy that uh teva is um communicating with he says are you saying moff gideon was taken by mandalorians like just calls it right out are you saying mandalorians so that's the question i have like are you saying moff gideon was taken by mandalorians i don't know like which ones like the ones that became mercenaries like like bo said uh the ones that i don't know it's so crazy or is this like is this stage are they trying to frame mandalorians i don't know so here's my three my three ideas three options i'm gonna write these down for the future okay (laughs) so these are my my three from least to like maybe most likely my least uh, like like my least option is that it was the mercenaries that like Bo knew because I know a lot of people are like oh maybe it's like uh Casca Reeves in them yeah. because they're mercenaries now. It's an option. It's out there. I say this is probably the least likely because I feel like even in them being mercenaries. That if they knew they were extracting the guy that basically destroyed their planet, they would say F you. Because they are still loyal to Mandalore. They might not be loyal to Bo, but my my feelings is that they would not do that. My rebuttal to that is there were pockets of Mandalorians, Gar Saxon, that were I'm gonna bring them uh, up, but go loyal ahead, yeah. go to the Imperials. So there's that. Nope, and I'm glad you brought that up. So stick a pin in that for a minute. So my other option is that it's a um, frame job. Makes sense because we know Gideon has was, he had the Darksaber. He was, you know, on Mandalore. Like he could have had Beskar and whoever, you know, his team that got him out. Probably had some or whatnot. I think that's my second to, you know, possibility. What do you do? How you, what are you, where do you go with the whole frame? I agree with that. Or someone that that got him had Beskar armor, maybe a dark trooper. Maybe they upgraded their armor. I don't know. But to me... I don't think Beskar is solely used for Mandalorians, not when it becomes related to Gideon. No, that's a good point. When it definitely, when it comes to Gideon, we right. The Beskar could be used in multiple ways. Like you're saying, dark troopers, that's a good call. You never know. They could have updated that stuff. But I think what's more likely in my opinion, and you could swap the, uh, this one and the second one, but I really do think, like you just brought up, Gar Saxon. We know from Rebels. Again, guys, Rebels connections are huge. It's time to watch. Let's go. I I think it could be the remnants of like those Mandalorians that went to the Empire, that followed the Imperial way under like Saxon. So I think, yeah, it could be Mandalorians, but they're trying to frame the good ones. But they do actually have. Bad Mandalorians. So that's why I don't think the mercenaries, because I think that there, there is probably a group of Mandos that still are following the Imperial way. And I feel like that's maybe more likely because I feel like if Gideon was ruling Mandalore, we don't really know. Again, we don't know the full story of how he got the Darksaber. 
was he kind of ruling Mandalorian? Like we don't, we I really know. don't know, right? Yeah, like what is that? So again, these are all answers or questions that hopefully we get answered within the next, you know, couple seasons or whatnot. But I feel like I could see it to where we find out there is a group of Mandalorians that are with the Imperials, Remembrance, and that are following Gideon and that are part of his team. I could see that. So that's why I say most likely it's these guys. Then I think it's they they're framing. And then that's why I have the mercenary people bottom because I just don't feel like it makes sense. I feel like it makes more sense for Bo, who we'll get to in a minute, to recruit them back than it is for them to be the ones that freed Gideon. Now, I will say, though, even in the mercenaries' defense, they could have been hired for a job not knowing who they were getting out. That's totally in play, too. So Yeah, I agree. You know? Yeah. So... I don't know. How do you, what, any, any other options you think are out there? Or what, how do you, what, how are you feeling about what this could mean for Mandalorians overall, really? And then what it means for the story? I, I just think there were Mandalorians involved extracting him. I don't think it's a frame job. Um, I just think it, there was Mandal- Mandalorians involved because we need to get back to the, division that's going on with that group again like we know that because of the end of this episode that the armor is trying to um connect everybody and get everybody on the on the same mission and in the same path so there's got to be another angle coming in where we're like ah no it's going to be a little bit more difficult than you thought because there's still some out there doing some pretty bad things no, I agree. I don't think the path to uniting is going to be that easy, which I think is the point. That's definitely the point of the whole thing is that it's not going to be easy, but they're starting it. Again, we're going to come back to that conversation. So that's where, again, Carson Carson's investigation leaves us on that cliffhanger. But again, before he gets there, he gave that message to Mando and Mando, Din Djarin, decides to ask the covert to help him you know you know help grief cargo and that speech is huge for din i think it's a big thing for din number one because he again as a character i think he is showing that he he wants the covert to be more than what it was when he first joined I feel like because, again, his his speech of, you know, we've been hiding in the dark basically too long. We need to be back in the light. We need to show that we are strong. And it makes total sense from his perspective for me because I go back to season one. Who saved him were the Mandalorians, right? He saw them as these saviors, so to speak, right? Helping other people. And that's what he's kind of asking them to do with Grief Cargano, no? You know, like to be the quote unquote saviors of the of Navarro to show that they are people that they, you know, people can trust, people can believe in. Right. Because maybe I think that's part of maybe Din's struggle is that, you know, maybe when he was younger, he saw them as people that were helping others. But then it changed with, you know, with time. So his speech of, you know. Coming back, we need to go save that, you know, who's with me. 
how did you feel about that? And then again, let's bring up Paz's speech because that was big too. So talk talk to me about both. What do you? Yeah, got? I like the little Mandalorian board meeting, and I like how they had to hold on to the hold the hammer, <laughs> hold I the love hammer I love to that. like speak. And then that one time they all started piping up, and Mando's like raises it. I freaking loved it. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Uh, I also liked how that conversation kept coming back to Grogu a little bit about helping the foundling, finding the foundling, saving the foundling. Um, I did not like when Paz brought up Grogu. I wanted to be like Will Smith, Chris Rock, keep his name out your mouth because I was like, because he was like for one tiny foundling. Shut up, dude. I was like, I'm going to reach through this TV and smack you. Don't even talk about my guy like that. But um, the way it came around um, that Paz says, we do this because we are Mandalorians, right? Keeping it back to uh, the creed and, and what we follow and what we do. So that was really cool. Yeah, I love that uh, Din got to say, like, he wants a brighter future for their children uh, to be out in the light and so that their culture can flourish once again. It's, it's so simple, you know, and. Let's get back to that. You know, I really liked that part for Din. And then I, you know, uh, Paz saying, hey, listen, we got to do this. You know, he saved my son and he even brought up how Bo did as well, too. Even when they all turned their backs on that moment, Bo still went after that. So I love that the conversation was about both Din and Bo. Um, that was really great. And, you know, this is the way. And everybody's like, you're right. This is the way. Let's let's do this. So overall, it's just a great way to demonstrate how that Mandalorian structure works and just a nice little like dive of like getting to see the way they handle situations like that. They have a, they have a meeting, you know, and only one person gets to talk at a time. I think it's cute. So I was really happy about that. I liked it. Yeah, it was cool to kind of see that dynamic, just like you said, like, how do they make these decisions, right? Is it just the armor says what goes? No, it's actually a, here, you have the talking stick, you say your piece, and then if anybody has a rebuttal, they can talk, you know, they can talk after that. Everyone should do that. I like it. I mean, it's it's an interesting way of doing things. But I, I'm glad, you know, in regards to Paz's speech, yeah, I think in the beginning I was like, oh, God, when he was like, I have something to say, Again, my thoughts were, oh, crap. Like, Sit down, right. bro. I, yeah, I was a little it. nervous. And he, like you said, he brought up Grogu and, you know, bringing up those, you know, yeah, I was there that night where grief, you know, destroyed our covert or, you know, I was there that night on Navarro. And the reason we're going to do this, though, is because we are Mandalorians. I was like, oh, he's in. Okay. Once I knew Paz was in, I was like, all right, and then we're, we're, we're solid. We're good. Let's go. Let's do this. Because... He was the guy that I think would probably have the most hesitation. But because, just like you brought up, Ange, because he brought up, you know, didn't help save my son. Bo didn't give up. Because of them, you know, he survived. We need to do this. And he, I think he very much respects those two now. You know? And I like, there's I a real, I was watching, re-watching the episode this, uh, right before we started recording. And when Paz says, because we are Mandalorians, there's a quick shot that goes to Din and Bo. And they both kind of like stand up because it's like, oh, crap, he's on our side. 
Like, I feel like they were probably nervous when he was like, I'm going to speak. But then. Yeah, I agree. That was a good little moment of like body language of their like, okay. Right. And them being like, oh, all right. He's on our side. Cool. We're, we're good to go. So they had that cool little shot of like Bo. They're in hyperspace. Well, that was such a cool shot of hyperspace. So cool. With Din and the N1, Bo in her ship, looking at the hollow and like what their plan was. Oh, it was so, so cool. So we get to Navarro and we have this amazing action sequence. I mean, really, this was high quality, like movie theater, like action. Like it was. It was fun. Fun. Like it reminded me how I felt at the end of Maverick. Right. Just like that's that's what it was. It was just like, oh, I'm on a ride. Let's go. This is great. Right. Nonstop action. Like it was just perfectly done. You know, it just again the visuals the 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 special effects were really really good you know so the, obviously the big plan was mando was going to distract have the 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 planes that can you know go after din he's going to pull him away so then a bo can drop you know the mandos off into navarro and then she can attack the um I can't believe what's the name of the ship is core Corsair Corsair Corsair, which real quick, that ship freaking cool looking. It is dope. It's a very cool looking ship. And I know even my mom said that's uh, a cool ship. It is. It's a very cool ship. And people have, I've seen it where it's a design from legends of like the Sith, a Sith like ship. Yeah. Just very cool. That again, that's a nice little like, legends if you if you know you know right like i didn't know that but if you know you know if you were a big legends fan you knew that ship you knew where it was from that's cool and that's cool that they brought that design in it's cool it looks like a freaking bird like almost flying in the sky like it's cool looking ship it was guardian shard i mean r.i.p but as a cool ship as a very cool cool ship bro (laughs) you had a cool ship man you had had a cool ship People also, I don't know if I didn't catch this until people started bringing it up, but like his little Ugnat guy was Shmi. like, Smee? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't bring, that didn't connect with me until after people were bringing it up, which is fabulous. But yeah, I mean, a lot of action, great like shots within all this, within this like, again, action sequence. So Ange, your thoughts through that action sequence, anything stick out to you? What was your kind of, like, oh, my God, moment if he had one during this whole sequence. Uh, my oh, my God moment was when Mando said, I like those odds. Boom. Like, that was, that was, cool. That was so cool. cool. Um, The Mandalorians dropping in. Uh, Just the, the, the way it all developed, it was so fun. And I just... I, that was a moment where I like, this is great. This, this is fun. Oh, my God. I love it. And... You know, like Paz, like dropping down, like when they get pinned in and he's got his big old blaster, he's just like going ham on all of them. That stuff is like great, too, because I remember seeing his blaster like a couple episodes before and I was like, isn't that overkill? Isn't that a little too much? And then when he dropped in and saved all of them with that, it was it was great. The armor sneaking in. How did she get down there? Um, my mom kept saying, how did she get there? How did she get <laughs> there? What? How did she get there? Like, what happened? <laughs> I mean, I'm, it's a like it's one of those like fun questions. Like I was did, like, I and then my mom said she goes, "Oh, maybe the big guy brought her down." Like it's true. 
Like maybe he held on to her and brought her down. And I was like, well, she probably came up through the sewers because she knows that area. She was like, yeah, but how did she get down? I was like, I don't know, mom. I don't know. Somebody <laughs> replied in that tweet before we started you know, recording. I think it was a Will Beatty. He said maybe her skirt like twirls. <laughs> I'm like, make that cannon. That'd be amazing. <laughs> That'd Maybe that fur like does like squirrel like little flying squirrel like Mario. I yeah, like it. I like it. I like it. But hey, I'm gonna again, fun, fun questions to yeah. The I'm gonna stick with Paz <laughs> held on to her and brought her down. I like that. Him. That's actually legit. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I love how her weapons are the forging tools. Like she doesn't have any other weapons, just no her blaster. hammer and then no nothing, man. Freaking so love good. It. So that whole part was just fun. You know, he's above you. He's below you. It was so fun um the pirates were good they looked great um so just a very enjoyable like sequence and then grief and all his people coming up through the back making sure that they they stay in i loved it it was great yeah i mean it was just you were on you were in your seat like let's go i mean for me and it sounds like for you too the entire time I mean, Mando was flying around. God, that N1 is so freaking cool, man. Like, it is really cool to watch. And his whistle, like, boom, like, every time. Like, I'm not annoyed with it yet. I like it. I think it's a pretty good accent just to kind of push what he's doing. I think it's pretty cool. I like that Vane retreated. So who's he going to, right? I feel like, is that the last that we see him? Or are we going to get a taste of this pirate nation? So maybe it is skeleton crew. Who knows? Um, and then I, I liked Gorian Shard's not in a puffer pig's eye like that. Another that, Rebels reference, kids. I Come know. On. Come on. Such a good touch. It was good. No, it was good. Speaking of, I'm glad you brought up, you know, Vane left and this whole Pyre Nation thing. Do you, here's my question to you. Do you think that Gideon sent them to do this? Like, where do your thoughts go on? I mean, we know kind of why. They showed up because of Vane went there and grief and Mando, you know, killed his, their, his buddies. But initially, why were, why did they go there initially? I mean, Carson Tava does say to Tuttle that this is big, especially for pirates. So yes, I feel like that threat is kind of there of someone is using them to, cause trouble on navarro and who else would want navarro but moff gideon right right and so yeah i i do believe that but i mean again they they went back there because they wanted money they wanted to drink in the school you know they killed his people like that all makes sense too but the fact that carson tiva did say this is pretty big especially for pirates i think is where we're gonna see their involvement no i agree and I, I do, and I know a lot of people think that, hey, maybe it's Thrawn, kind of like the bigger behind-the-scenes person. Maybe it's Ray Sloan. I know uh, I've talked to some friends that brought her up, which would be, hey, listen, Ray Sloan watch. That's big. In full effect. We need big. to see her. We have not seen her in a very long time or read about her. We need her. But I just feel like, for me, I go back to, you know, not that Dave and or John or or the creative team. Again, I know Dave and John get a lot of the, the kudos because they are the writers and creators, which again makes sense. But like 
I don't know if they would really want to make it to be like, oh, it's Gideon, but then, hey, there's a bigger person behind them. Like, I feel like they would just stick with Gideon for now. For now. I agree. I I said this a couple episodes ago. Like, we've established him as the big bad. Let's keep him there until we come back to him. So I agree. I think for the audience's sake, we don't skip over Moff Gideon to go to Thrawn. Uh, we stay with Moff Gideon as as the big bad. And again, he his connection, I think the, the connection that maybe Moff has to like those remnants that are in the unknown, right? That Palpatine did send from, you know, Project Cinder. I could see that for sure. Again, that he's probably part of the the start of the first order, right? But he is what he is causing all this commotion. Definitely he's the one that maybe that probably sent the pirates. He's the one that probably went off of went after Bo's home. You know, I don't think that that's anybody else but Gideon. I really don't. I don't see it being anybody else. Could it be? Yeah, it definitely could. But just like you said, Ange, I feel like for the story's sake, for maybe just a general audience sake, you stick with the one villain, right? Because it's, I know a lot of people have said like these episodes, again, we we talked about it last week where, you know, maybe people have, you know, problems with the season and hey, that's, that's, that's fine. They don't know where like the story's going, everything like that. I get, that's cool, whatever. I feel like, again, we've talked about this before. I feel like, these are very Clone Wars-esque episodes where you're following different people, right? And yeah, the first season, first two seasons, we were following Din and Grogu because that's what the story was. But then new season, new, you know, new story, just like in Clone Wars, just like in Rebels, you know, like it, it does change like that. So I get it where people are like, well, what's the story now? I think we're getting the new story, right? It's all about Mandalorians. It's about Mandalore. It's about, uh, you know, Gideon wanting to get back at them. I think that's kind of where we're at with it. And I'm okay with it. Like, it might be like a simple story almost, but like, I like it. I like the story. I like where it's going and I'm enjoying it for sure. Uh, any thoughts on that, Ange, uh, regarding, you know, again, bigger baddies or anything like that do you have any or you're just like no it's gotta be Gideon it has to be Gideon it's gotta be Gideon I want it to be honestly I want to finish up that story I kind of want to see a little bit more backstory on him when he got the dark saber so I let's just keep it there I agree I agree so again as we as we kind of been alluding to the Mandalorians are liberated or liberate Navarro the help out and you mentioned earlier, Ange Grief does that great speech about, you know, thanking the Mandalorians, saying that they might not have a home, but hey, you guys are here. This is, you know, you guys have this, this area from this to this. And it's great. And then the Paz comes up to Bo and says the armor wants to see you. I was like, what? So, I, yeah, talk to me about that when he says that. What's going through your head? What did you think she was? I honestly said, oh, what? Like, I thought the episode was over. And then I'm like, what does the armor want with Bo? Like, I was like completely 
like dialed in <laughs> in that moment. I was I was like, what? It was big because because it did get you thinking like, OK, what does she want now? Like, so here we goes, go. Here we yeah. go. Here. Here's the confrontation. Here's the turn. Here's here's all of a sudden Bo's not good enough or Bo did something or it, I was like, what is going on? What? Yeah, then, it was a big thing. And then when she was like, take your helmet off. I was like, what? A lot happened, man. A lot happened in this, in this little conversation. So, again, I love how the armor began talking about, you know, the forge that she was at that we have seen in season one. Great she call talks, out. Great yeah. connection between them and the society and what they stand for now. Yes. It was a big, big, like, literal, figural, like, you know, this is what, you know, I was at the forge of on Mandalore. And it was great. And it was, you know, we, you hear the, the sounds of the hammers. And then we have the simple one. So it's like she was definitely saying like there are two different societies, right? Ones that have the simple way of thinking, maybe them, maybe these children of the watch, this covert. And then there's the Mandalorians, right? The Mando on Mandalore, like the hammers and all that. Yeah. When she says they serve the same purpose, that was when I was like, okay, I get it now. Um, it's just her saying that they have to change and adapt and they have to come together. So I was like, whew, we're doing all right. <laughs> but then take your helmet off. What? Yeah, that when she says take your helmet off, I was like, where is she going with this? <laughs> where? Like, why does she want to take her helmet? Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? I'm I'm not I'm confused. And I like Bo's reaction, like, um, like I, I'm cool, like I, I'm following your orders. Do you respect my station? I was that like, was Whoa. big. That was Whoa. big. And then for for Bo to be like, well, yeah, I do, of course. Like I'm I'm following you. And she's like, remove your helmet. And a, a little more forceful way, and Bo does. And then I love again. We talked about last week about did the armor believe Bo saw the mythosaur? And confirmation, she believes her in a big way. Yeah, she does. Huge way. You know, she tells her, you know, you have walked, basically, you have walked both worlds. You saw the mythosaur. I've, you know, the stories of legends, but you saw it. You have walked both ways. You are the one that will unite all of Mandalore. And that's huge for Bo, because this is what she wanted in the beginning. This is why she wanted the Darksaber. She wanted to unite all of Mandalore and the Mandalorians. So talk to me about when, you know, this reveal of why, you know, the armor, you know, wants her to walk both ways. G give me your thoughts. I mean, I didn't see it coming. It was a nice little like, oh, okay, I see. I see where we're going now, though. So what do you got? Yeah, I didn't see it coming. I thought it was like a setup. I didn't know. Like, even the last couple, I watched it a couple of times and I was like, I had questions like, are the other Mandalorians going to be like, okay with this? When she had her walk out there without her helmet on, I was like, oh my God, are they all going to like turn on her? And then to say that Bo-Katan walks both worlds. Okay. But are we okay with that? Like, are, are, is the children of the watch is a creed? Okay with it? Like all, can we all take our helmets off? Like I want to take my helmet off. So I was just like, what, what is going on? But like you said, Going back to the armor confirming that she believes Bo about the mythosaur and says that she was taught that it exists in legends and that it is a sign that the next age is upon us. Huge. 
and that Bo has walked back both worlds and you are the one to unite us. Huge, 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 huge. And I think I think this means, and, and I'd love to get your thoughts too, again, kind of just what you were talking about, like is the other members of this covert okay with it? And I think it is kind of a little bit of an out that the armor gives Bo because she says she has walked both worlds, right? She has walked the one where you didn't have to wear your helmet, but then she began walking that way. Now she can do both. So I think that just lets them know that because she has done that, that's why she, as the armor, is allowing her to be able to remove her helmet. Now, do the others want to? That's my whole thing. Do the others want to remove their helmet? I, and here's my, like, when I go specifically to Din, Din only removed his helmet because of Grogu, right? Like, that's the only reason he has took his helmet off. If he if he didn't have to do that, he would still be, you know, he would have never had to have removed his helmet. So I don't think, like, he he doesn't care, right? And I think that's that little moment, and I'll get want to get your thoughts on that, too. The little moment of Paz looking at him, and then Din, like, just, like, nodding, like, yeah, dude, this is this is cool. This is what, it's, I'm fine with it. Shows that Paz respects him, I think, in a way, too. So, yeah, let me know kind of what your thoughts about that, too. The, the little kind of Paz questioning the armor, and then... Again, him looking at Din, too. I think that's a sign of respect, in my opinion. What do you got? Yeah, I think they're starting to create this hierarchy. Whether that's good or not, I don't know. But, you, you know, that's what happens. You you have people that are leaders. You have people that gravitate to leaders. You have people that look to others for direction. And, and Din and Bo have become that um, under their armor. So, and I think... You know, Paz is up there as well, too, and he kind of sees those three as, like, his his counsel, like, his team. So, yeah, I liked that those couple little shots to kind of give that feeling off. I also think it's interesting that she says it's time to retake Mandalore. Like, dude, Grief Cargo just gave you some land, and now you... <laughs> you want to go back to Mandalore? What? <laughs> Well, I feel like like Navarro is like you know the setup until they yeah. get everybody together. But no, I no, I, I was kind of thinking the same way there too. Like you're already just gonna be like, oh well, thanks for the land, but we're actually gonna go back home. Sorry, but no, I get you, I get you for sure. I, a big moment, and again, I think for Bo too. Maybe this gives her like the out of okay. Maybe I I don't need the dark saber, so I want to I want to throw that out to you. Do you think? She will take this as, you know, okay, I, I the mythosaur thing, right? You got to tame it. We know, and like that's what was said before. But do you think she wants, like, does this give her, like, okay, I don't have to fight Din now with the Darksaber because I can lead based on what the armor is saying because I saw this mythosaur? Like, how, how do you feel? And do you feel like the armor is still kind of maybe setting up Bo at all? Or like, where are you with the armor after all this? Give me your thoughts. I don't think the armor has ill intentions. I think she does want to um, join the tribes and create one Mandalore. I think the Darksaber will come into play again when Moff Gideon comes around because Ooh, he okay. really pushed that you didn't get it through combat. 
uh, this this means you rule Mandalore. He might be the one to kind of push Bo's buttons to make her believe that she needs that tool. I think, but I mean that's that's super speculation, right? Right there. I also believe that Bo Katan cannot tame a mythosaur. That Grogu is going to be the one to do it. Saying that, saying that. So we're we're creating a, a a new way. Is 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 it going to be like a a, a group of people that run Mandalore that, that have specific skills and are going to be able to do things in in different ways that they've never done before? So it's really interesting how I don't I just don't know how this is going to turn out. You know, I don't I just don't know. Lucasfilm has been really great of just like taking a left turn when I think we're going to go right. So I don't know. Yeah, no, I. I I there's just a lot of ways it can go. Right. I mean, when you brought up Gideon, maybe maybe Gideon gets the Darksaber back from Din somehow. Maybe. And then maybe that's how Bo can get it because then she has to fight Gideon. You know, like, again, there's could be ways because I don't think. The, the armor is not pinning. I know a lot of people maybe believe the armor is pinning like Din and Bo against each other. I don't see that. I don't see that. One, again, I don't ship them, but they were sitting really close to each other in that meeting. Their their pauldrons were touching. Okay. I just want to say that. So I think they are teamed together. Respect and, each other. Right. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yes. No, 100% agree. So, and I don't think Bo, again, I feel like Bo now has a different purpose, right? Now she, you know, the armor said Bo is now going to get all the exiled and bring them to us. So when she said that, I'm like, okay, we're getting Costa Costa Reeves back. We're getting Wolves back. All right, let's go. Let's get all the Mandalorians together. And for me, I also think Sabine. Like, Another Mandalorian she could talk to. And I think this would be the perfect spot to bring her in. I don't know if it's going to happen. I know you and I have said it makes a lot of sense for her to show up to kind of set her character up for Ahsoka. For the like for like the non, you know, the non the, the, the general fans that don't haven't watched Rebels again. You need two kids. <laughs> you just need to. You just I mean, need at, to. At this point, it is. It's it's. It's mandatory viewing now. Let's just say that. I mean, it was before, but it's super mandatory now. If you're in the, if you're into the Mandalorian, they're connecting a lot of threads from Rebels. And I think everybody should put their uh, misconceptions away. Like, I don't like that type of animation. Um, it's Disney. It's all about uh, story, bro. Yeah. Any of that. Like, honestly, like, throw all that away. Just watch the first two episodes, and I promise you, you're going to say, holy crap, this is huge. I need to continue to watch this. It's big. It big implications. Big, big implications. So, yeah, I mean, I guess my thoughts as we wrap up. Yeah, I, I just see, obviously, Bo going out and getting people, right? I mean, I think Sabine, maybe she talks to her. Maybe it's a hologram. Maybe it's something like that. Maybe she doesn't have to see her, but. Or maybe we get a reference about Sabine. But I think we're definitely getting, you know, uh, Cosa Reeves and Wolves and the Night Owls back together after Bo explains everything. And I think this is, again, 
I I love Bo-Katan. Her character so far this season has been fantastic. Her putting that plan together, talking them through it. The armorer gives her a look like this. This lady is about it. Like, this is our leader. This is our person. And that's exactly what Sabine saw as well, too. Like, she is the leader. She is the one that can unite Mandalore. It's been brought up again. So it's going to be very interesting to see Bo-Katan's apprehension, you know, because she's gone through these steps before and she lost the entire civilization under her watch or the watch she wanted to have and, and some people didn't embrace her. She's she's met this adversity before. It's going to be very fascinating to see this because we didn't really get to see it in animation. You know, we didn't get to see that fall. We saw like the introduction of her attempting to unite all Mandalorians. So this I'm excited. Oh, I, I, I 100% agree. I'm excited to see this journey because I think it, it is a redemption for her, right? Because of her failed attempt. Because of, you know, she didn't win in a battle, as Gideon said to her. This is big redemption for Bo. And I think she's going to... And I think she has a different mindset now, though, too, right? Because she has been with this covert. Her, like, again, her perception of maybe what she thought, especially after seeing the Mythosaur, she, I think her mind is open, right? And now that she sees, okay, we can, just like the armor said, we can bring these two groups together for one single purpose of getting Mandalore back. I think it works, man. It, it works on many levels for me. And I'm I'm just excited to see where this goes. Again, final thoughts, Ange? Anything you want to bring up? And then any predictions you want to make? I do not want to make any predictions, ma'am. <laughs> I have grown. I've grown. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Any final uh, thoughts? So what do, you, what do you got? I loved it. I would say this one was my favorite out of the season so far. Um, just overall, just brought every element that I like about Star Wars in uh, lore, creatures, uh, action. Uh, it was great. 100% agreed. This is, it's up there for me. One of my favorite episodes. One of my favorite Star Wars-y lore stuff that we got. It's 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 super good. I can't wait. My only prediction, I would say, is that, well, we basically have seen everything from the trailers. Like, there's like literally one shot that we have not. And it's with the bar with all the droids in it. That's right. That's the only one. Everything else is going to be sight unseen. So I'm excited to see what they're going to give. Like you're saying, let the story unfold. I just hope for Sabine. That's all. I just hope we get a a Sabine. And maybe Hera. I'll just throw out Hera because we I'm know not they're gonna, together. I'm not going to put <laughs> that maybe, out there. Maybe Ahsoka. Maybe we get Ahsoka too. I don't know. I know. Again, I don't want to get too hyped for it because Zeb, Zeb was good. Zeb was so do good. you think this week is going to be huge because it's happening during Star Wars Celebration? Good. I think, th I think you are... I think you're right on the head because I think it's going to create buzz during or right before celebration because it's on that Wednesday. Celebration starts on Friday. It's going to be it's going to be buzzworthy. I really do. I think that's why we have not seen anything from it moving forward. We haven't seen again besides that one shot. It's going to be buzzworthy for sure. I agree. And we're going to get tons of news this uh, this coming week with celebration, just like you said, Ange. So a lot to digest, a lot to talk about. But this will be big. This will be big. All right, kids, that's it. That's the show. 
Hope you guys enjoyed our little conversation about Mandalore, the Mandalorian episode five of season three. If you guys like us, please go follow us on Twitter at the galactic pod. And you can follow and listen to our shows on Apple pod, Google play, Spotify, all the major platforms. Give us a rate and review. Be nice. Be kind. Give us a rate and review. If you even have criticism, go ahead. Give it to us. Do it up. Do it up. Do it up. Do it up, Chucks. And you can follow me, Lauren Romo, at Loronos on Twitter and Instagram and Hive. That's still a thing. And Hive. Is it? You can follow me, Andrea Gutierrez, at R2D2Step on Twitter. Finally coming hot off of Jimin's. Uh, first solo release. My God, there have been so many amazing performances. I am in love. I am hoping that he peaks at uh, number one on the hot billboard charts coming up this week for like crazy. I Fingers crossed. I hear, keep hearing he might. And that's your BTS recap, kids. Guys, oh, and while we were recording, Lauren, they just said that Suga is coming out with a new album on April 21st. So if there was a moment you thought I kind of like zoned out, it was because that came up on my phone. That's good stuff, kids. That's good stuff, podcasting. (laughs) All right, as always, kids, may that force be with you. Always. Always. (laughs) Always.